0: Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Joining with me, as usual, Neil Orfield, Player Q, DFS, from Awesimo, from the High Stakes DFS podcast. And if you notice that uh, I'm, I'm sprinkling in guests every every so often, maybe not every other week, that you're on every other week, type of thing, but sure. but enough so that people ah oh, d- it it's it's not
1: Neil, it's not because of the YouTube comments that you're boring. <laughs> that's all right. I, I don't take it personally. That was just one guy really who was really adamant that I'm boring, and <laughs> you know I got no problem with that. You, you can think I'm boring. I I'm kind of boring. That's fair. <laughs> most most but, people uh, think that
0: I talk too much, and they they want other people to talk more. And this guy right, is right. like, no, no, but and
1: maybe that's true. But anyone but Neil exactly just I want to hear from somebody other than Neil uh, yeah I mean whatever it's uh it is what it is but uh, yeah I, I watched your podcast uh, with Sarah mech uh, yesterday actually I, I find I finished it yesterday uh, most of it was about soccer so I was like most of the time I was like I don't really know what you're talking about but I you know some of the more general principles I still was entertained by it still felt like it was informative so yeah it was uh, it was fun I, I enjoy seeing you have other guests because, you know, before I became a regular guest on this podcast, it was one of my go-to podcasts every week. So uh it's good to hear from other people sometimes too.
0: Right. Some some sometimes the episodes are more for me or more for a more niche audience. Like if if you're an O if you're an OG DFS soccer player, like Sarah, that that's that's the episode, right? I had Ryan Belongi on, I had Pew 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 on, like guys that are more like they specialize just in that sport, and yep. if you've been on DraftKings since they offered DFS soccer, these are the people that, like, they're still in the lobby, they're still on top, and you knew them from all seven years ago.
1: I know the names. Like, I, I've heard these usernames. I've, <coughs> I'm have i kind of familiar with them, but I, like, I don't know why I know them. So, like, I was familiar with the name, Sarah Mack, Pew, 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 Ryan Belanger. I'm like, how do I know that name? Uh, and apparently they're all great DFS players, just not in the sports that I play. Right, and I mean every every niche sport kind of has that.
0: Like I know some PGA people that just like like if you play golf, you know you know that they're very good. But it's like yep. the general if you play just NFL or NBA or MLB, you're like I don't. You would go into the lobby and go oh, I want to take these guys games. I've never seen them before. And it's like no. And it, also inside of soccer, there is there is that also uh, because there there's there's so many leagues in soccer it's not just soccer like it's the it's the only sport in the lobby where like well there's 20 different soccer leagues so like you could you could know a lot about the premier league in england mm-hmm. and then there'll be a bundesliga slate and it's like well do you know do you know germans do you know the german teams
1: right right well I mean does I mean, it matter if you're if you're using the same kind of stuff that Saramek is using, like using simulations, do you need to know the players? I guess maybe you do to to be able to simulate well to some extent. But I mean I, I would assume based on that conversation, I got the impression that at least any type of soccer, assuming that it's all the same scoring, same format, he could probably cover that with any different soccer league. Well you can but, but most but, people but, obviously can't do what he does either.
0: Yeah, but also that the, the way the way that you would you would put in projections would be different because leagues leagues and teams play so much differently in soccer than in a sport like football. Like even in football, we would consider like, Oh, they are the Seahawks the the play calling is different or whatever, but it's still the same sport. But in soccer, there's a lot of like, just in general, like, like if you're a soccer DFS player, the league that you actually prefer to play the, like if they offered the bigger contest for it would be Bundesliga. Like German soccer is just more entertaining the teams play in a much more DFS friendly style. the The totals are higher, okay. so it's like you 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 would like to play that league. And then you have a league like the French league, who the scores tend to be lower. They're like you know, other than like PSG, like there are a lot a lot of the games are uh, the totals are two to two and a half, so there's less goals. Then if you play right. Champions League, which is the top teams in all of Europe playing together on on the weekdays, like those totals could be three, three and a half type of games. So, and,
1: where would where would you say uh, a good soccer DFS player has the bigger edge in, in the German league, where there's a lot of scoring, or in the French league, where there is no scoring? Because I would think it's more projectable the more scoring there is, but also no, you don't think no so? because
0: that's the most that uh, goals are similar to like home runs in baseball. So like the the most projectable. Like leagues, like for instance, like Liga, uh, like, uh, like La Liga, La Liga is less project, like the amount of, per- it basically, it, it depends on the amount of peripheral points in relation to the total scoring, because it's much easier to project crosses, much easier to pro- project shots, much easier okay. to project chances, like, uh, like, e- e- like tackles one, is is kind of variant and fouls drawn is a little bit a little bit variant, but they're these these little points being scored. It's like you have a lot more okay. data points on that than that pure sense. goals and assists.
1: I so, didn't realize that there were all those different types of scoring as well. Right, in, in addition to you know assists and goals, and so okay, that makes right. Sense.
0: So like the best to me, the best DFS league if you're if you're very projection based would be the championship in England. So their second division. And and DraftKings does run contests on, like, days. Like, on a Monday, there's an eight-game, you know, uh, English championship slate. I mean, the prize pool is garbage. Uh, In the championship, these are teams that are, like, these are the 24 teams that are below the Premier League. And typically, they play a very English style, which involves a lot of crossing. A lot of, that's typically the, like, the the dumb way to play soccer. Like, weak teams play that way because when you cross the ball, you're more likely to give up possession. Good teams typically like shorter passing and keeping possession. So that's why we have a team like Man City in the Premier League that they'll score three goals, but a lot of times, like, their players don't rack up that many peripherals because they're not crossing much, right? They're, like, just, they're really trying to find the best chances, and they may get 24 chances in the game, but then but no one on their team is crossing 15 times. Yet the lower league teams, uh, there's they you can have fullbacks that's crossed the ball eighteen times in a game, and the guy scores twenty-two fantasy points without a goal or an assist. And it's so much more easy to project those stats. And then you have a a, a league like La Liga and uh in Spain where uh there's much less crossing. And there there's there's a biological reason for that is that Spanish players tend to be shorter. So there aren't as many true target center forwards. Yet if you yet if you go in the in like the, the English Premier League, all the all all the weaker sides typically have six foot four forwards that really aren't that skillful with the ball at their feet, but they're just like they're a big guy, they get their head on it, we're gonna cross twenty-four times and, and whatever. So those are typically the leagues that you have more edge in. And the leagues where there's a lot more goal scoring, there isn't the the German league. The Bundesliga is like a good mix of both. Like teams typically play a much more attacking style, even if they're a lower table team than in the premier league where, you know, the lower table teams are just like, we're just going to seed 70% possession, put 10 men behind the ball. And our players really aren't going to score. Like we're not, we're not bombing up the field or anything. So like even the leagues are different. So, you can't just walk in. Yeah, soccer DFS in general is there, there's you know there, the nuances of playing is still the same. Just like in the, just like you play USFL because you played NFL DFS, you could play WNBA if you played NBA. The game the game really hasn't changed. But right. like in in NCAA basketball, like games are lower scoring. So like the like most of the time you're not you're not going to get players that score seventy fantasy points because it's just that. You know, no team is going to score 120 points in the game. The games are shorter and they're less efficient, and the shot clock is different. So it's like the dead the net the difference in the range of outcomes between players tends to be smaller because there's no like ultimate ceiling result. Someone that scores 36 points in NCAA that may be the high scorer on the slate 36 40 points. From what I know, I don't know. I don't play NCAA. I don't play college basketball, but it's it's very very similar in soccer. So like. Even in the soccer lobby, like I, I'm not going to wake up and be like, "Well, I haven't I haven't followed the French league all year, and then play some slate with three French league teams in it, and go, I don't I don't even know what the hell's going. I don't know how these teams even play, right? I could I could look I could look at, at it, it, there's not that many good projections in the industry. A lot of times, most people just do projections for Premier League and Champions League. So, like so the, more, the more the more you know, the better. Go
1: across leagues. You say with three teams from the from the whatever league that was. So you, do you get slates that you have cross leagues, like multiple yes. leagues in the same slate? Okay. Yeah, they, they're
0: called interleague slates. They do it just for the sake of if te- there are not enough teams from a league playing on a certain day. A lot of times leagues play, on, like, everyone plays on Saturdays or something like that. Now, the most popular okay. league is the Premier League in England, so those that's the bigger prize pools or whatever. But, like, Serie A in Italy typically plays, like, Saturday afternoons, our time here. Uh, but then what you'll have is you'll because of TV you'll have a Friday where there's you know at uh, at uh, t- at 2:30 Eastern uh, at 2 o'clock Eastern there's a uh, a league uh, a French league game at 2:30 there's a Premier League game and at 2:45 there's an Italian league game right so instead of and instead of running one uh, the uh, a show they could, they'll run showdown slates also, but they'll just go. They'll call it interleague, and like those three games across those three leagues, that's one slate, right? Which makes it very it's very hard to pick up because if you don't follow like all the leagues, like it's like oh yeah okay I, I know that these two Premier League teams, but I don't know these two French league teams, right. and it's like they're all on the same that's slate, tough. and that's why it, it's hard to grow those types of slates. And the prize pools are just like it's a thousand dollars. It's a $1000 prize, not $1000 the first for the main GPP. It is a $1000 prize pool.
1: Right. Oh god. Yeah, no thanks. Uh so that's all very interesting. Uh, how did your MMA go? This <laughs> changing to us uh, working our way up through through uh, sports that I know a little bit about. We'll go from sport I know nothing about to a sport that I've dabbled in mostly because I know that I'm going to be talking with you about it, and then maybe we'll talk about baseball later. sports that I know, you know. Uh, did Did you play the MMA? that you were. Did you play the UFC slate? I played. I played. Yeah, this Saturday, and you and I, we were. I think through through the first or through. Four fights of our fighters, you and I were tied. We we were two v two away at one point, uh, pretty close, do, doing well. And then you pulled up and you were in in front for a little while. Uh, and then of course, Brian Jester ended up winning that one. Um, but yeah, I saw that you were you were in front for a while. Uh, 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 same, if if
0: Lemos would have scored ninety eight and a half points in the last fight, I would have won twenty one thousand dollars with an eight way bad. split for first, right? But I mean, it was a while It was a one of those. It was a chaos card, uh, with the fight getting canceled after lock, and yeah. and the first fight I don't know why it was even sanctioned for the UFC. The guy fucking fouled out, and and right. the photojournalist won. Uh, so and I didn't I had like three out of one fifty with Mike Jackson in it. So like it's like yeah, I don't I don't know what that's gonna happen. But I was way under on Romanoff. Uh, it was fifty four percent owned and got a zero. So it's like okay, my Dean Barry twenty five point lineups look pretty good now. Yeah. Uh, no, but I ended up winning, I I made 750 bucks. So like, oh, nice. on on, a slate, on, on, on the main
1: track, slate? Yeah. Oh,
0: oh. Yeah. I, t- oh. I typically don't, don't play the, the TV captain mode, uh, right. slate. I just play, I just play the main slate and, uh, and it's, and it, I mean, my, my uniques were, were low. I mean, I, 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 had, uh, like 60 something under fives and 15 uniques, but I had over a hundred under tens. It was one of those cards that, uh, once again, I computed and, like, it's hard for me to imagine a high probability of a lineup that leaves more than $1,000 on the table to win with multiple. Like, I, I computed a 93% chance that uh, one of the top three, the $9,300 plus the top three fighters, the huge favorites, that 93% chance that at least one would be in the optimal lineup. So once mm-hmm. once that once that was the case, it's like, once you plugged in two there weren't enough combos available. Like once you plugged into two of uh, Pedro Romanoff or, or Barry, I saw that like, there's only like, there's like less than a hundred lineups available to even do that without obviously oh. stacking a fight. So I just knew that those lineups would be over 10 dupes, like automatically pretty much. Oh. Uh, so I just, I just eliminated that and just like, I'll play one, max one. I just, yeah, max one of, of, I know at least one, like exactly one.
1: Exactly one. Yeah.
0: Right. right. So I just laid like one of, and then, So that's why I was under on Romanoff because I would like split like a third each on all of them. And then there there was some popular under because of that construction, that two nine k construction, like, like Montana De La Rosa was way over owned, right? Uh, Jordan Wright was way over owned. So I was just light on those. That's how I made a profit that, that I was pretty much under on the losing fighters and over on the winning fighters, but not with, not a first place. If you don't win first place in MMA, yeah, you're not you're I mean, and I'll, and some of these smaller field stuff, dude. I I I won two five hundred and fifty five dollar tickets with lineups that had Romanoff and two losses in it. Wow, right? Like I with like a three sixteen or something. Because so many, because wow. there are a lot of people that played like uh, uh, played Lando Venata or something, and he so lost. I had a ton
1: of him. Yeah,
0: right. And a lot of people he played Jordan Wright, and he Mark lost. There were yeah. La Rosa, and she lost and then Lamos and, and she lost and then had Romanoff with his and I had a Romano 0 but then he also had like Dean Barry with 25 like so it's like yeah. I see lineups it's like yeah it's it's only a seven man contest but it's like I I have a 0 and two losses in my lineup and still won tickets and still cashed in the I think the 555 I I min cash for a 1000 even with like three losers in my
1: lineup not bad yeah, I saw uh, Justin McMahon saying – McMahon, I think – saying the same thing that he had – he won with three, I don't know, losing fighters or something. So apparently a pretty common thing this this weekend. Uh, yeah, it was uh, – I didn't do great. I had uh, – I, I tended to be over on the fighters that you wanted to be over on and under on the fighters that you wanted to be under on. But my overall, I didn't have that many lineups that were not duped a million times. Uh, so I, I definitely need to go back to the drawing board, I think. I, I looked at my uh, – I think – no dupes. I had like four total, four unique lineups and then like 50 under 5. So, not not my best show in, in MMA.
0: Right. And then and the, the the line and the, the most popular lineup is the lineup that I, I was tell I was telling people, I was in Brett Appleby's Discorders, like here's the lineup that you do not make. Like out of like there's there's only one lineup that you should not like anything else we we could debate, but this is the exact lineup that you should not make and it was if you've tried to fit in all three favorites like the 93 the, all those three guys there's yep. literally one combo cuz based wow. on salary like unless you're stacking one of those fights right in order to spend 9300 9500 90 9600 you had to play Lemos Montana de la Rosa and else cuz the fight, and oh. that was 50, and that was exactly 50,000 so you couldn't go up from any of them and if you went down you went to the opponents of those three fighters so it's like don't uh, well 418 people did that right right it was the most dupe lineup in the contest and it's like like dude this is this is not that complicated of a game like just don't like dude if this lineup wins i don't even know what the hell what's the prize pool up there? Let, let's just put it in at three hundred thousand, 000 maybe time divided by 418 like 700 bucks or something if you win with that lineup, of 7 700, 717 that looks like Wow. If it's three hundred thousand if, if all those places combined to three hundred like like dude, even if it was like four even if it was four hundred thousand, that's still
1: less than a thousand bucks. Yeah, that's that's not worth playing that lineup. Right. I know that I didn't play that one because I did I did set a salary cap just two hundred dollars below at forty nine eight hundred, just for just to be a little bit different to know that I won't have the the fifty thousand lineups that are gonna be max duped. Um but Yeah. Overall, overall, not my best showing. Um, I, I also think that I may have made the same mistake that I made like a month ago where I I'm, I'm using ownership caps lately in my process. I'm, I'm using so similar to how you do your simulations, where you look at the odds of a fighter putting up over a hundred points. Uh, I've been using awesome. has the top fighters tool, which does the same thing. Gives you the odds that the fighter is going to put up a hundred or more points. And then I put those in plus like 10% on each fighter. Um, you know, give or take, I, I kind of look at where I'm getting. I think that I ended up. I must have been too restrictive because I think that I ended up duping myself like 17 times. That's what apparently I did. I learned this. Do you duped yourself? I think so. I I actually haven't gone back and looked at it, but when I was trying to, so I. I actually made the mistake of I tried entering lineups right at like the minute before lock, and I think I did or like seconds before lock. So I I, I, I did do a set before that. So I, I had lineups in like a set of lineups, mm-hmm. and then I was trying to replace that set with a better set and got the message that like 82 of them couldn't change or something like that. So I mm-hmm. I had no idea what my actual lineups were in retrospect. But then I tried to take those lineups and re-upload them to Fantasy Cruncher just to, so I could see what I had, and it said I had 133 unique lineups. So. I don't know. It it was, I think that I may have had a bunch of, I guess, 18 dupes. Uh, so not, well, well, I mean, it's good if you dupe yourself, if that's the winning lineup, right? Sure. (laughs) Right. But presumably it would have been my hand built lineup, which I gave no thought to other than like choosing six fighters who were not fighting against each other. That's the only thought that I gave to it. So, uh, probably wasn't my best lineup. Um, so you're using ownership, some caps. Uh, Exposure caps for myself. So, oh, exposure yes, I mean, caps. I, mean, I thought you meant
0: total lineup. Uh,
1: no, no, no. Yeah, right. no, just by exposure caps for individual fighters. So for each individual fighter, I'm look, looking at the uh, odds of them getting over 100 points, adding about 10% to each one just to just to give myself some semblance of – some idea of getting good fighters in there um, or getting to a greater proportion of better fighters. Um, but then I also like – I ended up boosting uh, – worse fighters more like the, the lower owned fighters. I would allow it to have more than that. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I figured they don't, you know, or the cheaper fighters don't need to get to hundred points to be in the best lineup. So I don't know. It's, it's a work in progress. It's not a great, not a great process that I have. Right. Right you're
0: now, I you're, do, you're doing a blunt method, which is fine. I'm doing, a, it's, it's weird that I'm doing a more refined process because I'm changing the because proje- I'm essentially making my own proprietary projection, that incorporates ownership into it already, right? So for me, the line, the line, like exposures don't matter that much to me because it's like I, I've, I've a baseline set for six. So like the baseline on a fighter is one, right? And I, and I alter my, my, my. The, the it's all it's just a, a, a divide, divi- the divisor, divide whatever you want to call it, that allows like that centers all the fight. Cause I have a, a proprietary like waiting on all the betting lines and the projections and everything like that. And it comes out with like a rating, right? And I, whatever that number is, I all I care is it, it's in relation to other fighters, but I want to have a baseline of what I'm like a center point, And that center point should to me is one, right? So if, so, if someone is rated 1.18, that means they're under owned. For their probability of putting hundred plus points, and if they're if they're point seven eight, that means they're over owned, right? Like 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 that's that's kind of like the the mid the the midpoint. So I I depending on if too many of the rate because on a larger card, sometimes you may have fighters that a lot of them are under owned only because there's there's just so many there's thirty fighters to choose from. So I have like out of the thirty fighters, I have like twenty three fighters that are rated over one. And it's like, well, that, so what's the, what's the midpoint? It's not one anymore. So I just changed the divisor to like, you know, instead of dividing by 20, that rating divided by 28, it's like, well, now by 29. And that kind of moves everyone kind of, and now I can see it's like, okay, one is kind of the center point. So basically I'm trying to build lineups that have a total rating over six. Right. Right. Cause it's already incorporated. And, and the lineups that are like, uh, 6.48 versus 6.12. Like the 6.48 is just a higher leverage lineup, yeah. right? In comparison to the probability. I don't know what the standard deviation of those lineups are, but it's like, based on that, I naturally, like Montana De La Rosa I had is the most over-owned fighter. So it's like, if I would adjust, because her rating is so low for her price that if I go 150 and I just go 150, one unique, Right, just default whatever like that. I ended up with three percent of her. Mm. Right, so it's like, like it is what it is. But the problem is, is that like the Sherman Jackson and Ike Navillanueva were rated slightly better than her, even with like worse chances of winning. And it was trying to jam in two nine k fighters, right? Two nine k fighters. So I was getting like eleven percent Sherman. I was getting sixteen percent Jackson because they're rated well enough that when I start jamming in the two other people in that range, like I would always get that like sixty six hundred dollar guy that's like, and I look at those. It's like those aren't the lineups that I want to build because they're that they'll be duplicated either too much or the the those low fighters have such low probability of scoring a hundred plus points, even though they're only three percent, five percent, seven percent owned. That's like, do I really want to have? 20% of my lineups with one of those fighters and my, from a, I, I said no. So, like, once I start pairing out and, like, I don't play two of the big favorites and I start grouping these things out, then if I ran it just with one unique and no care about diversification, then I then I would get Chase Sherman, two lineups out of 150. Mike Jackson, four lineups. And I would get a little bit more Montana De La Rosa, right, 8% instead of 3%. And then it like kind of just all works out I had a lot of Parsons because it turns out he ended up being more owned than I thought he would be. He was 30% owned. I thought he would be more like 24% owned. But in that mid range, he was rated just so well that like, since I was building non two big favorite lineups, I needed a lot of mid range stuff. So I was getting a lot of Philippe Linz and a lot of Preston Parsons because that, that 7,882, I got a lot of Grant and Kondoshko like those types of fighters. Cause they fit into those builds and they were all under-owned to some degree. So basically in order to get those that higher rating in my lineup, it just jammed those type of guys. And then guys like Wright and Venata, who I had over-owned, I would get like, Wright I think I got like 18% of and Venata I got like 22% of. And, you know, like it, it just automatically, like I don't have to necessarily worry about, about expo- the even setting exposures because based on the way the rating is, the only way that I start uh, uh, setting exposure caps is if I look and I go, how many high variance lineups do I want? Because it's basically optimizing for variance, right? right? On a 15 fight card, I may have some lineups that are like rated, my total rating is 7.56 because it's jamming in the six most under-owned fighters into the lineup, but they're all like twelve percent, eighteen percent. It Has no main event. It has like it's like okay, that is go- that's probably a unique lineup. And it sometimes it spends like forty nine, not- almost all the salary also on a large card. And it's like like it's I can plus play long term, right? Long term, it's it's very Most plus EV, lineup. right? It's just that it wins once and it doesn't even cash like all the other times. Right. So how many of my 150 lineups do I want like this? If I want all 150 of that high, I could just understand yeah. that I'm going to have like 60% of some 8% owned fighter that should be 18% owned. And right. do I, from a, from a risk tolerance perspective, do I want, do, do I want my portfolio to exist of all of those types of lineups when I can find lineups that are still plus EV, not as plus EV, just so i don't have slates where i put in 2250 and get back yeah. $200, right? Yeah, so at least i like right, right, yeah. a, little, a little bit more, a little maybe the some of the lines that i'm playing end up being duped 7 times, 12 right. times. Like i'm instead of playing 150 uh, you know, having 60 uniques, 130 under fives and then like like dude if like the two chalk plays come the two over over-owned fighters if they both are optimal it's like i literally have no lineup with both of them together because the rating of that lineup would would always be you know under 6 or something like that or at least under 7 you know like not as high so it's like my the when you bake the ownership into the projection like that then there's no need for me to use an ownership sum there's no need for me to use exposure the only time i'd be using exposures or any build rules is just for diversity, just for do i Yes, this line these my 16 Chase Sherman lineups are plus EV. But Jesus, do I really want to have 16 Chase Sherman lineups? I mean like like the dude's a like a, like he has a 4% chance of scoring like 100 plus points. Like do I want that? Right.
1: But do you need that? So, so this is here's something that I've been struggling with, and this is uh, part of the issue with my process. Trying to use the over one hundred points is what I really need is the optimal rate, right? Like, like you have in other sports with the awesome, you know, uh, top stacks tool, that kind of thing. They mm-hmm. give you. Uh, the optimal, I guess, that top stack school is, isn't a good example. But for like NBA, they give you the optimal rate. I'm going on a little bit blind because there are fighters who, you know, they might have a 4% chance of putting up over 100 points, but I don't know what their odds are of being in the optimal. So, like, they maybe they have a good chance of putting up 80 points and they're cheap enough that that's going to be in the optimal anyway. So, that's what I really want. I feel like I'm going a little bit blind when, when I'm trying to use the top uh, over 100 points to set my exposure caps. I'm going in a little bit blind because I don't know what – what I really want is the output. I want to know, you know, the, those cheaper fighters, what odds they have. So I'm kind of blanket going in and giving them a little bit of a boost because I'm like, well, they don't need to get over 100 points. I assume that you don't do that because you are only simulating individual fights based on – simu- I'm, not, I'm not
0: simulating anything.
1: I thought you were simulating fights to figure out the odds of getting over 100 no, points. No, I, I, use, I use the betting lines.
0: I use the betting okay. lines and the salaries – like just i could, i could obviously i could i could i could predict based on the weights of the betting lines on their the basically the correlation coefficient of the betting lines versus 100 plus point scores 90 plus point scores 80 plus point scores i'll just use the odds and be like well based based on my historical data of of these of betting of the what type the betting lines there are like obviously a, if if first round finish for a first round finish, uh, round one odds. If you, it, this is obviously under the efficient market hypothesis that the betting lines are like perfect, right, right, right. Of but I have nothing else to go by. They're the most accurate that I can get. A uh, uh, round one odds round the fighter finishes in the first round automatically scores ninety points. So like like the correlation is one. Right, it's like there's no there's no there's no negative points in MMA. So if you win in the first round and and it says based the betting line is uh, minus one fifty or uh, plus one fifty in the first round, that's a forty percent chance. So forty percent, so at least forty percent of the time, they score ninety plus points. Right. Right. Now they could also score and win in the second round inside the distance, and the inside the distance maybe maybe that the correlation is is weaker to hundred points. So it's weighted a little bit weaker, like the, the, uh, the, uh, winning, winning by submission, winning by KO, like a KO typically involves a knockdown, right? So you get like, so a winning by KO in the first round is to a hundred point score, very correlative, much more than a submission, Right? Because you don't get the knockdown. You may get a five point, like you could, quick submission is not going to score 100 points in, in MMA, right? Look like Andraj, you did standing triangle, scored 92 points, right? Submission in the first round, no takedown, no knockdown, no nothing. So if you look at those types of things, you could go, okay, in general, I don't have to, I'm not simulating a fight. Going, how often does a 100 puts, this put, fighter put up 100? How often does he put up 90? How, how much does he put up 80? And then depending on the price, of the fighter that's that's go, that goes that goes into that goes into the rating already okay. so it's not like i i'm not cuz optimal when you say optimal if you treat people especially something as binary and small uh, uh small player pool as mma everything's going to affect uh, uh depend on everything else like sure. the reason i played more limos like like you had else down there, you had Montana De La Rosa, you had the three big underdogs, and I'm like the I using the betting lines. They're so cheap that I care more about the win than the 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 the, the ceiling. I don't care about as much about first round win or inside the distance. It's like what's their winning potential, right? Because at a at a win, a win is more more correlated to an eighty point score. Obviously it's more correlated to a 60 point score, but definitely an 80-point score. So yes, you'd much rather inside the distance, but these fighters in a decision could possibly get, you know, 80 points and go, well, if if one of the if two of the 9K fighters, if one of the 9K fighters puts up 125, like most likely, like in order to get that that to get a 50 k like 50k of salary. You're gonna need a low price fighter in those types of lineups. Now, if one if the 9K fighter, let's say all three of the 9K fighters don't even put up hundred, then then a low price fighter putting up 88 is probably not gonna be optimal, right? Because right. that bound bal- right. that middle build may be more optimal. So it's not just how often is this person optimal? Because it's based on all the other fighters on the slate. Now, obviously, Osimo would do those types of simulations. That's, that's where they're getting the number. So someone's optimal rate in the low end for this past slate was probably way higher than normal because the nine K fighters were just so, I mean, the the odds on those fighters inside the distance in round one were so high that the likelihood of them scoring 110, 120, 130 points means Mm -hmm. that, Ninety points out of a low price fighter would be more likely to be optimal, but Neil, from a uniqueness perspective, a two nine k fighter lineup, I don't want to play, right? Right. So if I'm not playing two nine k fighter lineups, that means the I don't care about the optimal rate of Chase Sherman because I wouldn't be playing because he's opt, he's eight percent. Let's I'm using a just pulling a number out of my ass, 8%. He's, 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 he's optimal. And you go, wow, that's, that's way more than, than his ownership or whatever. It's like, yeah, because it relies on the fact that two of the 9K fighters put up a hell of a lot of points, but if you're not building lineups for that, for that possibility, like why the hell would I want to play chase Sherman in lineups where I'm leaving a thousand dollars on the table? Right. Right. Cause now that's not that, that the win condition of the lineup is different. So, so I don't necessarily care about, like, pure optimal rates because I'm not building chalky lineups, right? So sure. the, if I added up the optimal, like, okay, let's say instead of the my proprietary rating, I just plugged in the optimal rates, right? Like you would do because you're basing your exposures based on it, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, if I add up these six fighters, how often they're appearing in the lineup, it's some number, Right. And it's like, oh, I want to play lineups that are higher with that. It's like, yeah, well, those lineups are also duped more. Right? Because it's right. right. They're 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 more more duped. So it's like, okay, right. how do I get rid of all these? Well, now, now you're playing lineups that are much less likely combined to be optimal. And then you'll be like, well, why am I playing so much less of this guy that has why am I playing why am I playing so much less of Romanoff than his optimal rate? And it's like, yeah, yeah. because the more Romanoff you play, the more. Montana De La Rosa you have to play,
1: right? I suppose, yeah, if they did give me the optimal rates and I use the optimal rates and then to get different, put in, you know, a salary cap, I would probably be getting rid of the actual lineups where some of those lower lower end fighters are optimal. So I guess it wouldn't make sense to, you know, so that, that would probably be my natural inclination would be like, well, I'll use the optimal rates to, you know, kind of give me a, an idea of how much I want of each fighter, but then still get, get unique by putting a salary cap on... Uh, on all my lineups, but then that would essentially eliminate the actual optimal lineups for a lot of those fighters because, you know, the the cheapest guy is probably not going to be optimal while leaving salary on the table. So I guess right. I guess I see what you're saying. It's not, right. it's not as useful as I want it to be.
0: Right. Like that. Like the reason that I had more Lamos than the other fighters below her is because in a fi- at, because there were so many heavy favorites that the uh, a. Low price fight, like if if no if no underdog won, typically on slates where no dog wins, a six win lineup isn't isn't the winning. You can't have a six win lineup. So the lowest score, the highest scoring dog, especially if they're cheaper, ends up being optimal. So like you could have a fifty six point losing fighter be in the winning lineup. Now. What's the likelihood of all the low price fight? Well, it' more, more likely the five-round loser, right, is going to score more points than guys that could easily get finished in the first round and score five points, right? right. So, like, if I'm playing 9K fight, like, I'm going to play Lemos. I just, I'm going to plug in Lamos into those lineups. Not because, you know, obviously if she wins, that make that, I'll, yay, yay. Now now she has uh, 90, 100 points or whatever. But in a loss... I don't think I don't think and de la Rosa or Cameron Els or the three big underdogs even put up enough points. So it's like I'm only playing the guy the people under Lemos for a, for a win condition. Lemos I could play for a loss condition. Right. So that's why I'm getting that's why I'm getting way that's why her rating was much higher because of her of her just her natural pro, uh projection on the slate. Now for a different slate, I may think completely the opposite on the slate coming up. Like it's much less likely that the winning the the winning lineup has a losing fighter on it because I know the Romanoff fight is getting getting rescheduled for next week, so that's going to be you know he's going to be minus five fifteen hundred again, but all the other fighters are like minus two fifty, minus okay. two twenty, like it's not like heavy heavy favorites, so they could I mean on those types of slates maybe you get five dogs that win and maybe three of them put up a hundred plus points and it's like well now I'm leaving thousand dollars on the table now. Now, now there's, now there's ways to, to go, but on slates where there's so many heavy, heavy favorites and everything, it's like, like number one, you're running into too few lineups if you try to jam stars and scrubs. And then if you don't play any of the top 9K fighters, now you're getting such low probability that like, why am I leaving a $1,000 on the table? And that's where you start running into a little bit more dupes. And now, it, it kind of, you're almost playing triage at that point. Of like, this isn't the the best, the highest EV slate for me on finding uniques, but uh, it could still, I could still find plenty of plus EV lineups, and overall have a have a plus EV portfolio. Even though, yeah, it's gonna look stupid when I win with an eight way dupe, and like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take twenty one thousand dollars. That's that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Right. So, like, so it, it is what it is. But it's it's primarily like the the the. The reason I don't have to use as many settings to get what I want is only because I'm beforehand just baking that directly. I'm hacking the optimizer to say don't optimize based on fantasy points. Optimize by based on this number that I made up.
1: Can't you just put that in as your fantasy points? That is what I do. Oh, okay. I mean
0: I like I I X I import my CSV and I just I just change that my rating column. I just change the name of it to FPTS. Upload to yep. lineup HQ and there you go. And then nice. it's just, and it, the high, the highest lineup is the highest leverage lineup that you can make. And that's, and sometimes and I don't even have to worry about salary caps. Cause like, Oh, a lineup that's 6.48. Uh, it's 49.1. A lineup. That's 6.46 is 49.9. A lineup. That's yep. 6.4. Like it's, it, like the, the salaries don't matter anymore. It's just, it is what it is. Sometimes I can run 150 lineups and I'll get, I'll get, five lineups that leave 1200 on the table. I'll get I'll get 22 lineups that spend all 50,000. And then you look side by side and it's like from a from the score pers- leverage perspective, you know, the leverage score of the 50k lineup and the 48 li- eight lineup are the same. Right? It's because it's a different fight. Like that 50k lineup has a, just a really weird combination that most people aren't are not going to play and the 48 a lineup is a lineup that may have a, a combination more people going to play and then just like two guys that you drop down and now you get more unique there so like i'm not weeding out the uniques really the way that i weed out the uniques is just by setting more like if i built a thousand lineups what what are most lineups that are going to be duped 10 plus times going to look like and then this past late it was two nine k two $9,300 plus lineups. And I just said, if I'm going to eliminate 99% of these lineups and maybe find a couple that I could play, well, I might as well just eliminate them all. Just fuck it. set up a group. I set up a group that I couldn't play more than one of the large favorites in any lineup. I didn't want to play Mike Jackson and Jay Sherman in a lineup. And I didn't want to play Wright, Venata and Montana De La Rosa. Two of those in the same, because I had, they're all 30 plus percent owned as dogs. It's like I don't want to play more than one of them. I would weed out all of those lineups because they would be too owned, right?
1: So, so did you weed out the Winnie lineup, or uh, or could you no, have gotten to it?
0: No, I could. I, no, I could have gotten to it. It's just I only so, had Mike Jackson in three lineups. So like, yeah, that that's really what it came down to is that Mike Jackson didn't rate out well, and I wasn't playing since I wasn't playing two nine K fighter type of lineups. I was less likely to play. Any of the three biggest underdogs. So I like in my in my, my 150 set, I think there was a total of nine lineups that had one of those three guys. I think I had Jay Ch- Sherman in one, Mike Jackson in three, and 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 Ike in five. And and that in Montana del Rosa, I barely had also. So I had more Else Limos, you know, more of those as but a lot of my lineups just never went underneath like 780. So Linz was the cheapest guy in some of my lineups. Right? Okay. I'm playing Pedro, then Marc-Andre Barrio, right? And just going, like, right down the middle, and Kandoshko and Parsons, and, you know, like that type of lineup. Yeah. For the people that don't follow MMA, they're probably, they have no idea. But for, if you're playing NFL Showdown, if you're playing small field golf, if you're, I mean, this, I mean, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be thinking about.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's still a sport that I struggle with, but uh, I I think that I'm you know we talk about it every every couple weeks, so it's helping me a little bit to kind of conceptualize. I still don't have a great method for you know doing what you do, but uh, at least I'm conceptually understanding a little bit better over time. Um, yeah, it's uh more to go on in MMA than USFL. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Transitioning. How do you like that transition? Now, what uh, I have
0: How was the second week of the USFL?
1: Uh, similar to the first in that the projections were all terrible. So like uh, I, it's hard. Projections. Oh, so okay. I, uh, hold on.
0: Terrible in a way of like from one week's worth of data, like the teams just didn't even like the way that they played the first week and the way that they handled their personnel was just completely different. The second week also, it's like starting from scratch again.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and to be clear, when I say the projections are terrible, I looked at several different projection sources. So this isn't, I'm not talking about the OSBO projections. Uh, although, I don't think they updated the the first week after uh, like players were ruled out and stuff. I think players still had projections. Maybe I didn't look at it late enough, but uh, every projection source that I had had like Jordan Teamu was looking incredible. Uh, was like the highest projected quarterback. Maybe not all of them, but he was projected really well. And then he was used in like half of the sets this week. Just like they just went back and forth between him and their other quarterback. Uh, it was just uh, it was ugly. And and what I what I need to confess though is that. After DraftKings leaked all of the ownership for every game uh, in week one, mm-hmm. did, did you hear about that? So they, they at at lock for the first game, they show the ownership for every player in every game. I didn't make any changes, which and I most know. Most people was didn't. Bad. And then most people yeah, didn't I, I, make I, any changes. Yeah. But it was for me, it was because I looked at it and I was like, to me, it looks like the best plays, like the top projected plays are under owned. And I'm already like, it, it was sort of like, I don't really know if I trust the projections, my lineups looked pretty good here. Like I'm, I'm over-owned on the players I want to be over-owned on and I'm not I don't have that much so it was uh, it was sort of a tough. I didn't really know what to do with it and I also thought I don't know how much these are going to change now that other people have seen this so uh ultimately I just let it ride and it didn't didn't go well for me. So so
0: so moving forward with USFL I I mean to me it seems like the best thing to do is just treat the projections as absurdly fragile. Yeah. And just and just be as con- be as contrarian as possible and just have combos of well, maybe, 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 yeah, you got a twenty two percent target share last week, but maybe you only plays three slaps this week because like we don't like especially you get the quarterbacks coming in and out, it's like, yeah, that knocks out like like, oh, it's like, well, I can't trust half the teams to even roster a quarterback,
1: yeah, yeah, it's uh, I mean, that's i so I was very successful at xFL, which I think is fairly similar. Uh, I think, though, the difference is I watch the XFL games. I haven't been able to watch that many of the USFL games. It like seems like a lot of people
0: have, haven't been able to get through a lot of the games even when they're watching it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that is that is true. It's kind of ugly. I mean, I, I've said it before. Uh, I don't really – if I have money on it, I can watch any game. I don't care how ugly it is. You know, As long as I score a touchdown a game – I'm fine with it. Uh, maybe, that's, maybe I'm cheering for that. I don't know. But uh, having money on it def- definitely makes it more interesting for me. But I think that there is some edge to be able to actually watch the games and hear the commentary and kind of get an idea for, I don't know, some idea for it. Uh, I, I kind of feel like I'm going in blind and maybe not giving myself enough time. So I'm relying on the projections a little bit more than I should be. And then I am using some... Uh, I found some ownership projections one place, so I'm using that to make adjustments. But I don't know; it's uh, it has not been not been great for me so far. What I,
0: what I do if I would if I were to play bluntly, based on what you described, what I would do is I would down I would get I would aggregate projections. I would aggregate all the projections I could find. I would aggregate ownership projections or whatever I could find, and then uh, press the optimal button, right? See what the ownership sum of that lineup is, and just cut, and then just set my max of a third of that. Like literally, like I, I not 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 a little bit, like just a, if the top own lineup has a total ownership of uh, two forty, give me lineups with eighty. Like this is how fragile the projections are. So yeah. just give me eight and and then maybe you'll, you'll get a 30% on guy in the lineup, but you also get some 5%, 2%. And so maybe that's right, but this isn't right. And this isn't fragile or whatever. And then just wherever it it leans, just, there you go. And yeah. like, I'll get guys I've never heard of in the line. I don't know this guy, yeah. maybe he it's no snaps and that's why he's 1% owned, but maybe this is the game where he gets 20. I mean, like, it seems yeah. like from week to week, these teams don't even know who they're playing.
1: Yeah, and that—that that, was—I—I I remember my best week of XFL. That was what happened. Was a player like wasn't active the week before, and then they activated him. So I was like, oh, he's got, coming in at like one percent ownership. That I'm going to play him, and then of course he was a very high-scoring player that week. Uh, and I think that. The same thing happened this week. I didn't react to it this time, and but it was the same thing where it was like a player was out, like Taewon Taylor or something like that, was, didn't play last week and now he's active and nobody knows. Is he going to see snaps? And you should just assume that they are. like Because <laughs> so that seems to be the way that it happens in these leagues. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh It's been a little bit frustrating because I'm like, I know that there are advantages to be had here. If I had the time to actually think about it and make changes uh, and I just haven't haven't been able to do that so far and I don't know if I would have had success at it anyway because it's just I don't know to what extent I can trust the projections and the ownership projections I don't know it's it's been a little bit a little bit wild so far but uh, I think that there is edge to be had I think there's actually massive edge to be had in USFL and I think that you're right probably just treating the projections as super fragile is is the way to go or or you moved down to Birmingham or I moved yeah moved down to Birmingham Right, you live uh, there. They're doing all the games in the same place, right? I think so. I, yeah, I haven't been. I know they did for week one. They were all in Birmingham. I'm not sure if they're always in Birmingham, um, but maybe they are. I know Justin Freeman went down there for week one. Looked really? Like a fun trip. Yeah, yeah. He was he was the one person at the game. <laughs> He was the one person he got a, the USFL Twitter stream showed Justin Freeman with his family, like meeting the mascot and stuff. It's pretty
0: funny. <laughs> right. Because they got they finally got a fan. They finally got someone to come.
1: Exactly. Look at this guy. He's coming to our games. You right.
0: And and asking about uh, inactives and injuries and whatever. It's like, wow, one person cares.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I should. I should make a trip down to Birmingham. Wow. I would probably actually enjoy it. I mean, I think it would be fun. Maybe, I don't, maybe there's so few fans that it would just not even be fun. And maybe it's more fun to watch on my TV where they tell me who the player is that has the ball. <laughs> yeah. Are people probably, going to the
0: games? Some. I mean, I saw, I saw that, that, that there was weather or whatever, and there was like no one there for like like one of the late games. Just, I mean, are I don't know. Are people people
1: watching? Not many. I I know that it's virtually empty. I don't know if it's like they don't allow fans. I assume that's not the case at this point, because you know, not in Colorado, Al- definitely not in California.
0: Alabama. They're perfectly fine right, right, with letting his, whoever, whatever happens.
1: Yes. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they're just. I mean, they, are they make? They should make the tickets free at this point, right? Like, there, there's no reason they shouldn't have. No, they the should pay tickets. you. They should pay you to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, really, they need they need some fans. Make it a little bit more interesting. Buy some con- concessions. Uh, yeah, they can't be, they can't be making much money. I don't know how long the USFL is going to last at this rate. Right. But that my
0: my, the, for the first question I asked before, you know, on the, the first slate was, uh, which comes first, uh, con- DK contest having a five, only a $5,000 prize pool or the league folding.
1: I don't know. I don't know which one it's going to be. I, yeah. I still don't know, which I guess is good for the XFL. You know, that's why XFL comes first for me. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about XFL, USFL running into each other next year. Who knows what's going to happen? Cause XFL is coming back next year. Uh, if USFL folds, that'll really simplify things for me, and I can. Right, and,
0: and you know the Rock ain't gonna fuck it up, right? Of course not.
1: No, the Rock, of course not. Right. You know, of course.
0: There's... Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, well, what's going on know. with MLB? I was, I was just about to transition there, but uh, you should. I should let you lead. Uh, yeah, it's uh, not going well for me so far. I've been. It's only been what seventeen days. Yeah, like Two yeah, and a half weeks. I've had some like top fifteen, you know, lineups. I've I've had actually some decent finishes. I just haven't had any top two lineups so far. So, uh, it would be, it would have been better if I came into like last year, I I was in a rut until, uh, April 21st. So we're, we're four days beyond last year was when I hit a hundred thousand for NBA and really started my upswing after my big downswing to start the year. So starting a little bit late this year, uh, but it was nice coming into MLB with a little bit more like, okay, I just had a big win in NBA and then I had, I won 50,000 the next day in NBA. So then it was like, I was feeling great coming into the MLB. Right now I'm like, I'm already in a rut and now I'm starting off poorly in MLB, uh, not enjoying it so far. Do
0: you notice, uh, I mean, I, I, I brought this up last year also, I've been... Trying to adjust to, uh, like,
1: anti-competitiveness is a better way of yeah. putting You Looking at the top stack tool. I think we, we talked about this last year. That right, right. I, 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 it, it, it's, everybody's it. using it. Right.
0: Like, it's very easy. It's very immediate to me that across the industry, not just at Osimo's awesome top stack tool, that baseball doesn't draw as much of a casual audience that, ba- that basketball does. Like NBA, yep. like that. The fields are, I mean, they're not soft, but they're softer. NFL is obviously the most casual. But MLB, like even right at the start, it's like either either you play MLB DFS or you don't type of type of people. And people that play MLB DFS are more likely to, you know, have their own projections and at least look at tools like that to some extent. Or at least hear shows that mention the stack is under and that stack's over and with everyone looking at very similar things, like, oh, you know, I'm going to play the Astros at low ownership, at at at, they they're, they're going to be six percent owned, and they're under owned, and you go in and they're not, and all the players are like eleven and twelve percent owned, right? And it's like, okay, that's like a fishing owned, like like they're not over owned, but they're that that they're not a leverage stack anymore. And I look at that and go, yeah, well, because they had the highest leverage score and also top top stack tool. So yeah. people are like I'm oh everyone's playing the Phillies I'm going to play the Astros and like that type like it just like I have to bake that in what what I've been doing is I've been just I, I if if it shows up too high on duels I just bump up the ownership and then reduce the the amount like I I I almost have to because yeah. almost every time like I just I review the slate and I go oh the the whoever I was I was higher on was always higher owned. Was almost yep. always maybe not enough that I shouldn't be playing, but the amount of leverage that I thought I was getting, I was not getting.
1: Right? So the I mean, line the of weren't as good as I thought. The only place that's not happening is the actual like Really ugly stacks. Like like today, San Francisco going up against Corbin Burns. Right. I don't think that they're gonna get up in ownership because people are like, Well, I'm not gonna play San Francisco. Like they'll they'll right. do it for the stacks that make some sense to them. I don't think that it happens as much on the ends or at least on that end of the, the stacks that so it's like they're coming in at one percent, but they've got a three percent chance of being optimal, which you know I will still play them, but I think a, a lot of people are just like I'm not going to bother playing San Francisco because I'm going to play Corbin Burns instead. So I think that it doesn't happen as much on the ends, but I think that everywhere else it's like, yeah, if they have a, an 8% chance to be in the top stack and they're coming in at 5%, they might actually come in at 8%. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's a, a concern for me that I, I have not adjusted yet, uh, adjusted for yet and haven't uh, adjusted for now that I'm doing MLB shows. I'm, I'm using uh, primarily the top stack. So I'm talking about, well, this stack looks like it's going underowned or overowned, which I think that I'm sort of unique uh, among, Awesome guests uh or analysts i guess uh at this point in in talking mostly about the stacks like i i listen to other shows and they're talking about the individual batters and i'm like oh maybe i should be doing a little bit more work there it's just not really how i play so i'm i'm usually talking about well this stack looks like it's under owned and i'm gonna like them for that reason um i don't know it's uh
0: well you're more like me i mean that's the same thing on when i'm on grinders live on roto grinders it's like we're going position by position. Who plays MLB DFS that way?
1: Like that's yeah. Like, but that's a, like I look at the the, the YouTube chat, and that's the question I get: Who's the best shortstop today? And I'm like, no idea. Like it's whoever fits in your stack the best is generally my answer. So, uh,
0: or if you were yeah. the best, you just whoever's the highest projected, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That, Trey that Turner, kind of
1: like there is the exactly. the best shortstop.
0: Or or yeah. do you want point raw or dollar. point per dollars? Like point per dollar, it's this guy. like, yeah. like, but that's not really how you play MLB DFS. You don't like, you. Yeah, because even even pe- cause even people would ask me, it's like okay, I I, I get it's about lineups and up players, I get it, but uh, if I'm playing one off should I play this guy or that guy? It's like like whatever fits in the total lineup. Like I don't right. if I'm playing five, one, one, 1, you know the the five X type of thing. It's like well, it's whatever stack plus the pitcher and whoever's projected the most. If it's a thirty four hundred dollar hitter, and then it's then it's that guy. It's it's like I'm yeah. not like I I, I tell I. I I I say it more bluntly on shows maybe than than you would do. I I mean maybe it's counterintuitive to like content sites but I view MLB DFS as like like the easiest case. like people overthink it like to the nth degree where yeah. where where I I've told multiple people that have not played M like these are people that are transitioning from NBA or NFL. It's like, I don't watch N- baseball, but I like to play MLB DFS. Can you can I want to just be competitive? I don't want to have to do that much work, or whatever. He said, said this is what you do. Okay. Said you don't have to look at anything. Said, okay, this is what no, this is what you you look at the team totals. Okay, let's just go by team total. Okay. Uh, and you look at project. So you still have projections, median projections of some type, and team total. He said, uh, out of the top 5 team total teams, take two of them, have five from one team, three from the other, and whatever two pitchers that project the best that fit in, build that lineup. If you want to build five of those lineups, build five of those. If you want five of the each each one of those teams, then do five, three, and whatever and whatever and let let the projections determine what the other three people are. Let the projections determine what five batters from that team is. Let and just build those lineups. Build five of those lineups. They said most likely, if you did that five minutes before the slate, and you built three to five lineups like that, by the end of the like you're building plus EV. You're most you're going yeah. to most likely have plus EV. Whether or not that you actually realize the EV is a different story. Right. If you want to be diverse in your five lineups versus you know have the same stack in all five with a different three man or a different bit, that's that's up to you. That's too yeah. advanced for that. I just like dude, just pick two teams. Five three four four on FanDuel, even four four in DraftKings, whatever. Just pick two teams, pick the, and pick the the highest projected pitchers that fit in for their prices in there. And if you just did that, most likely, if people did that, they would be more successful than putting in the two or three hours of whatever they're doing—work or mental energy—doing anything. Like you, at worst case scenario, you're about equal. So, like yeah. my my opinion when it comes to stuff like that is that if 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 what if what you're doing is a coin flip, that means you should be spending the least amount of time on it because it doesn't matter if you do it or not. So when you're trying to should I play this one off or that one off? Should I play this thing or that thing? Should I play more of this and more like a lot of times it's just like like dude, just pick 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 two fucking teams. Just pick two teams. Pick two teams randomly. Maybe that, that dude for a really new player. That's like, I don't know anything about baseball. I don't even know what team thought. I don't even want to look at that. And it's like, dude, just go into your app. You want to build one lineup that has a chance of winning first place in a, in a GPP. Just pick, pick, pick two pitchers, pick five from one side, pick three from the other side and make sure you spend full 50,000 of your salary, or at least most of your salary. Yeah. They'll yeah. Occasionally they'll get, the, get the, 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 the two shittiest teams. Yeah. Occasionally and the projection will be really low. And you'll really need luck to like, but you can't be, you really can't be that far off. Yeah. Even doing that, right?
1: That's, uh, that's it. You and I have talked about it. Like, MLB, we spend the least time on. I did run into an issue this week when I, uh, yesterday I gave myself eight minutes to create 150 lineups. Uh, just ran into some things and couldn't do them before that. And of course, Fantasy Cruncher was down. And, uh, and then I, I went to, uh, a different optimizer and i went to the road around his optimizer and it actually was very intuitive so like i had four minutes to make 150 lineups using an optimizer i've never used before and i failed by about 30 seconds i think
0: okay so, <laughs> so you still, still didn't work out
1: it worked so I, I luckily i had i put in a dummy stack that just didn't use the lot games mm-hmm. and then uh, and then fantasy cruncher came back up so i was able to get back in i just didn't use any players from the first two games so right lineup line like hq is not bad no, it was actually, I, I was impressed. And it allows you to, within a 150 crunch set, like, I want this number to be five three stacks, this number to be four four stacks. So, like, it did have some uh, some things that I liked about it.
0: Right. But, I mean, to, to use it as your backup is, yeah. I mean. I think, I think
1: I'll be able to use it from now on for sure as my backup. Yeah. Right.
0: Because I, I do the same thing. But, I mean, obviously FC is not my. It's, right. Not what I use, it. nor is my backup. Right. To, yep. I'll, I'll I'll use I'll use I'll use fantasy labs, yeah. right? Even though I'm, Just not, I'm not a... am to he- have
1: too, right to have a backup. And I I have I've used the rotor before. I don't think for baseball, but I have used it for another sport before. And I've used a couple different optimizers. Um, but yeah, with usually I have more time to do so. This is like literally like, oh shit, fantasy cruncher being down right now is not ideal for me. So uh, that was uh, a little bit rough. Right, but I
0: mean, but in MLB, like I. Really, to me, it just comes down to pitchers and teams.
1: That's yeah, no, that, yeah. so that, that's the reason that you and I, I think, both say that we can do it. You can come in 15 minutes before lock, and I can basically do what I would do anyway. If, if I have half an hour, 45 minutes, I'm not doing all that much different. I might spend a little bit more time crafting my individual stacks and, like, getting to exactly what I want, but not really. Like, I'm, I'm mostly just – I'm either setting a, like – looking at looking at the top stacks tool the top pitchers tool and just setting a max cap exposure on each stack and just keeping it uniform across all stacks or if i have more time i will you know go in and look at the actual like uh probability of being the top stack versus the ownership and that's if i have more time i'll spend a little more time crafting how much i want individual stacks but last year i I was plenty successful just setting uh 10 game slate seven percent cap on every stack every five man stack 12 percent on my secondary stack. And I, I was playing successful just doing that because you're just, you know, creating a, a large, large enough mesh of different lineups that, you know, some are going to have a shot.
0: Right. And, and that's, and it that could be good enough. I'm playing much more exploitively and just, I want more of the under stacks, and I want less of the over stacks. I
1: like it just. I mean, that's me too. When I have the time. That, right. The
0: typical, when you, right. When you have the, when yeah. you have the extra time, right. But you still, you're still building competitive lineups and, and, and with the Lawana like to me, I'm I'm much more likely to build one st- one construction than try to build multiple constructions. So I based it on the context of a slate. So the lower the lower scoring, like if the team totals are low across the board, I'm more likely to on DK to go 5x. Right? where there may not be two, te- two teams that put up a lot of runs. then just may be one team that puts up a lot of runs, and I'll just need to find the home run from this game and the home run from that game. So I want the one-offs there. So on a lower-scoring slate, I'm primarily building 5X. And then on a sc- slate where there's like four teams that have 5.6-plus run totals or something like that, it's like now I'm primarily building five three lineups, right? Yep. And then, then it just comes down to how much of each do I – how much of each do I want? I want more of the under-owned, less of the over, and then I just let go, run, and then the pitch. I set a cap on pitchers, and then just and like what, what more? And then and if I'm was- playing, if, if I'm doing the five X style lineups, typically if I have time, which I typically do, is that I'll use in lineup HQ the OIS button, the only in stacks button, t- to not get the the slap hitter types. Nikki, I don't want Nikki Lopez as a one off. I don't want, like, those... T- I, like, I want power, big power hitters as one-offs primarily. You don't have to do it, but if I were to build a 1,000 lineups, I'd probably weed out those lineups to, for the one, whatever. I'm not even playing 150. I'm playing 60 or something. So it's like, like, how much Sergio Alcantara... Should I have? Should I have eight lineups with him? And is, is it a one-off? Only because he's 2100, and it allows me to pay up for two 10K pitchers. And it's like, I'd rather have the lineups that have the 7K pitcher and a better batter. So using that yeah. OIS button, I just go through team by team. I go through all the teams that I have uh, that I have uh, stacks of, and I just go only in stack, only in stack, only you know, th- those types of hitters. Just, uh, yeah, and then if I'm doing 5X lineups, obviously i am doing 5-3. I don't give a shit anymore, because I'm stacking right. three guys. I don't care. As long as they're with other people, I don't They're I don't all going to be shit. in stacks. Yeah. Right. They're already in stacks. So, but that's there, that's the, I mean, like, like, dude, we talked for five minutes like that. Like, dude, if your process is that much more than what we discussed and like, like even the top players, even, you know, guys that do simulations on the contest or whatever, I mean, they're doing the same, pretty much the same thing and just letting the fo- chips fall where they may. Like yeah. how much more, like if you just did what we just said, You'll be competitive, right? How profitable you be, I don't know, but you'll you your lineup may doing that may be better than what you're currently doing and spending more right. time on. So probably
1: more plus EV. Right. Yeah, it's funny you you talk about uh, the different types of slates you want to do different types. of So far this year, I've just been doing five twos essentially. But last year, I, I switched it up frequently. I did four fours, four threes, five five two five. But the different, I mean, like the,
0: the the edge you're getting out of that is probably very minimal.
1: Yeah, it it is probably very minimal, but I, I spent more time thinking about it. But so so to start uh, my first show hosting, I got a little bit of uh, an angry response from somebody saying, "Wow, these guys are twenty minutes." So I I me and Terry McBride are on, <laughs> and I wanted to start the show. Uh, of course, talking about. So I said, so on a slate like this, what kind of construction are you looking for? This is a large slate. There are these types of, so like I want to talk about the construction because to me, that's like, these are the things that you need to think about first. What type of slate is this? What kind of lineup? And of course, the, the response I got is minute, 20 minutes in, they haven't even started talking about the lineups yet. They're still talking about the, the slate construction, the, the lineup construction. I was like, man, I I, I don't know what to tell you. Like this is, this is how you win at MLB DFS. Like you need to be thinking about the types of lineups that you want to play more so than you need to be talking about, these are the batters I like for this team.
0: Uh, the more and more that you do content and you do shows, do, is, do you still, do, are, are you getting more towards, I've been doing content for what? So even soccer since what, 2016, 2017? The more and more do you kind of, do, do you, are you more towards like my side of like, like no matter, you could explain 100% of what you know, and you're like, well, I I, I don't I don't think 95% of the people are actually going to, like you just, oh, yeah. you you just oh, go yeah. like I'm I'm actually trying to really fucking help you, yeah. And it's just like not not who's gonna do it? Who's hitting a home run today? You know how, how many is someone going to get eight strikeouts? Like, like dude, I'm I mean, teaching I, you how to play defense. i
1: on, on your side of that spectrum. I've, I've definitely been on that side where it's like, yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing magical about what I do. I think the better players are going to pick up on it, or are going to like hear what I'm saying and. Uh, learn from it and the worst players are not going to, I, I've, I've been with you on that, that I'm right. I, I'm very transparent. Everything that I, you know, every show I do, I'm not really withholding. Much. I mean, someone was like NFL show, I'm not going to tell you exactly where I'm setting my salary cap, that kind of thing. Like, right. Only because like you
0: have worry about dupes. But, right. yeah, just, about dupes. Right. It's just, it's the same thing in MMA. Like, like people ask me for my sheet and I go, I can't give you, or they ask me for my formula on certain sl- I can't give you the, it's like, I, and, but I have no problem. Like I'll sort my rating And then put it in a separate sheet, and to just like sort it by top to bottom, and go here are my here here would be my rankings, so you get a sense of who I'm going to have more of and who I'm going to have less of. But if I give you the actual numbers, like you're more likely to get my exact lineups, right? Right? So like I like I like dupe wise for small, like if it was baseball, I wouldn't give a fuck because the likelihood of being duped is so I don't even care. I mean, I don't even think about it on large slates, especially. So like, that's the only one thing that I can't it's, and it's not because I'm, I'm this guy's over on this guy's under, like I'm telling you and feel free to do whatever. And, but I still get to argue, Oh, that guy. Yeah. That guy's not over on that guy's never going to win. It's like, it's he's 21% chance of winning inside the distance, but he's never going to win type of thing. But it's like the more like, you're, you're, st- you're still in the honeymoon phase, or maybe I'm just more in like the completely jaded phase
1: that, that's like, I'm, I mean, you still do it. You still, you do it more than just about anybody. So, right. I, I, I don't, I m- don't see, stop, stop see, t- to me, I, the people I,
0: I relate to the best, uh, audience wise are the experienced people. Cause I get, I get a lot of, out of those conversations the people that Already get all of it, and they're, they're trying to really, you know, they're 95% of the way there, and they're trying to get to 96, 97, 98. And yeah. we're bouncing ideas. Maybe I, I tried this, and I, and I go, hmm, that's interesting. Have you thought of these three problems with that methodology? This is what I, maybe you get too much, and then maybe they come back, and they, they two days later, like, yeah, I tried it, out, and then maybe, I, I love those conversations, but of course, yeah. it's over the heads of, like, 90% of the audience, and then I don't mind, like, the new, new people. Like, 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 I just started playing Do DFS two months ago. It's like I can't, I can't fault them for not knowing stuff because I didn't know stuff two months in. So I enjoy right. teaching the really new people of like, let's start from scratch. What do we, you know, how is this set up this way? And they're not, they're not in in that mindset of five years of who's going to hit the home run today, right? The outcome based thinking that you can mo that they're and they're typically much nicer and right. like, yeah. Oh, oh, I like, even though I'm repeating things that I've said 7 million times, I feel like I'm actually helping someone. It's the people that have yeah. been playing for three or four years that are still at the stage of looking at me. Like I'm a, I have 14 heads yet still tuning into shows wondering what stacks I like. Right. And not, and not understanding that's like, I like this stack, not because I think they're going to do well. It's because their probability of doing well is above their ownership. And, and, right. Right, and they only have an eight percent shot at doing well. So ninety-two percent of the time, the team's gonna fucking suck. So like, don't come at me like, oh, you picked that team, or especially in baseball, like in ba- like baseball MLB DFS is is the sport where I primarily play GPP. I don't really play cash games, and I lose like ninety plus percent of the like ninety yep. plus percent of the time the way I play. It's like I am playing for like two or three days a season. Yeah. Right, so so people could watch my show and go like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you said you you were high on X, Y, and Z stacks. Well, they did horrible. I said, yeah, I
1: expected them to do it. Like, right, they were they're low probability, right? Yeah, they only had a four percent chance of being the top stack. I told you that. They just were only own two percent. Like, so that's right. why I like them.
0: Right. Yeah, said. So, yeah, but aren't you going to go broke doing that? It's like no. Well, one or two out of hundred and fifty slates. That is going to be the top stack. It's going to be low owned. I'm going to have all the relative value and I'm going to win $100,000. Yeah. And that's going to make up for everything else. And I'm going to have a, you know, $40,000, $50,000 profit from doing so. And if I do that twice with a 50K or maybe a 40K second, next thing you know, it's like, oh, I've lo- I've lost a 94% of my slates and I've won uh, $180,000. And you're like, well, how do I do that? It's like by playing the plus you. EV lineups and losing a lot. Yeah. Often, not yep. not a lot necessarily financially. A lot of times you get money back or whatever. I mean, you could go on a downswing like that, but it's it's that it's it's. I think the number one mentality that they, that it's 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 hard. Even new players. Like I, I have one person in uh in my my Discord channel in in roto grinders that uh, w- did very well this past NBA season, but using a lot of the principles that you know he learned a lot from my courts and everything. Did well last year in MLB. And it said to to me, it's like, I don't know. I I think my process is off. This MLB season, like, I just can't even find a winning day. I said, it's been 17 days. Yeah. Like, it's been, like, just, like, do you understand how small the sample? 17 days in? And the fact that if everything was equal, if for GPPs, your lineup would lose 78% of the time if it pays 22% of the field. 78% Seventy-eight percent of the time, you, your expectation should be that you get no money back from that lineup, right? People's expectation seems to be that, like, well, if that's the case, I shouldn't lose ten days straight. It's like, well, what are the? You could actually calculate the probability of that, right? Yeah. And if you're going to be playing for years upon end, you're you're going to have a period where you lose money ten days in a row. There's going to be yeah. you know, even cash games, right? I lost five yeah. days in a row. People would be like, "Oh, NBA cash games," and be like, "Dude, I lost five days in a row." I go, and like, and, like what? What? It's five days in a row. Yeah. If you tell me you lost twenty three days in a row, you in cash games, you maybe there's more likelihood that something's fucking wrong. Yeah. But five, like five is like five is nothing.
1: Very small sample size.
0: Seventeen yeah. days in 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 MLB is, dude. Seven. It's, it's there's been seventeen slights. Yeah. Like what the and what the, like what.
1: Like what are you very, expecting? Highly very sport. Yeah, it's it's tough. So, like, so far, I feel like there have been days... Early on, I was like, I'm getting close, feeling good. Okay, I'm back back where I was last year. I'm getting within, you know... I'm, I'm top 20. I have a lineup in the top 20, feeling good. And then, you know, this past week, I, I hit a rut where I had, like, several days in a row where I'm, like, 50 points out of first place or, or, like, 60, you know, just, like, not even close to first place. And then it's like, man, this is rough. Do I need to, like, change something? But ultimately, that's just kind of how it goes with MLB. Like, sometimes you just... You don't have the two stacks together that you need to have. And you're just not going to come close to winning and you, you kind of need to accept that. Right. Or the one off, right. It's like the guy that hit three home runs, you have in three lineups and that's
0: it. Right. And it's not like he's that owned; he's only like 4% owned as it is. And it's yeah. just like, well, I, and in those lineups, you have the pitcher that got blown up with minus eight. It's like, did you just don't have the con? You just don't just like in MMA this past Saturday. It's like, I was over on all the, all the people that won that were under owned and all the overrun fighters lost or didn't fight at all, right? And yep. just for the fact that I only had three Mike Jackson lineups was the difference between a lot of money. Or I mean, I was going to the last fight. You didn't even need Mike Jackson because no one had that optimal. Like no one yep. had no one had the optimal of if Limo scored ninety eight point four six, Linz is in the lineup in my lineup with eight ninety one points, even though Jackson for a thousand cheaper is 97. It's just that no one has that 49 K lot. No one in the contest had, that is the optimal, but no one has it. So I don't give a fuck. Right. So I did, so I didn't need, but for the one that did win, you, you needed him. And I had, I had three, if I would have had 10 lineups, I still may not have even had that lineup to split two ways anyway. So it's like, it's one of those things, uh, the difference between first place and a thousandth place or a hundredth place could be, you got everything except for one little thing wrong and that's yeah. it. Right. And then like yeah. the, not not wrong as far as like, you know, you made a bad decision. Just, right. it, it just didn't, didn't go right. It just didn't go right. Right. Yeah. You're sitting, you're, you're sitting there uh, going, I got in baseball. It could be the type of thing where I got the five threes. I got the stacks perfectly. Right. But I have I have twenty line twenty percent of my lineups are this combination of the two teams that scored the most runs. But in none of those twenty do I have the thirty four point scoring player from that team and the thirty four point scorer player of the other. Like it just right. so happens that I that even though I stack both those teams, I just didn't have like the that. Right and then yeah, I, no, yeah. I or I have the one combination of those two players that put up thirty plus points. I have the pitcher that only has four. Yeah right like that and it's like you look at the lineup and go if it just was just switched out to that other player i would have won first place by six points and it, yep. because of that i'm like 18 points down and i'm sitting in 112th place and it's like like yeah that, that, that you're you're almost playing for like a nut in large field like you you
1: almost need the nuts you don't i mean yeah. obviously you don't need the nuts. you don't need the Right, but by st- yeah, by, by stacking, you eliminate the number of things, some of the things that you need to go right. Mm-hmm. But you don't eliminate all of the things. You, need. you right. still need a lot to go right to win. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard even 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 for experienced players. It's hard for me to be like, man, I haven't really, I haven't had a first, I haven't had a second. I don't, I haven't had a third yet. Like, you know, you, you start feeling like seventeen days. Exactly, I and I know that conceptually. I am I'm, I'm aware that it's a small sample size, and that people go in ruts. I'm not overly concerned about it at this point, but. Would well, love a win. Right, but
0: you're also playing one fifty. Me, I'm play I play yeah, yeah. high I play a much higher risk with less lineups. Like like on this like last week or whatever, I, I had a good I I think I made five five grand or whatever. Uh like I have no problem with like, oh, it's uh, Phillies and cores, and I just literally X them out. Yeah. Like I just like like I'm I'm only I'm only building forty lineups and I'm just going, uh these five guys are the five highest owned hitters on the slate. It's a like a five game slate, and it's like forty six percent, forty percent, thirty two percent, twenty seven. Like, like, dude, I'm not even playing these guys as one offs. Just like, just fucking, I'm xing them out, hoping the Phillies fail. And that was the slate. The Phillies fucking failed. Yeah. And I had the right combination. I didn't come in first or whatever. I came in like eighth, but I I got like like third in like the eighty eight dollar tournament for like twenty five hundred or something. Like it all added up. But I was only playing a very small handful of lineups, so it's just like, what's the easiest path for me to win, right? I'm just going to do those paths, and if one of those yeah. paths win, then I win. If the Phillies put up 12 runs, I just I I get I get zero back, and it's just. But uh, but, on, but instead of putting in, I'm not putting in two thousand, three thousand dollars worth of volume. I'm putting in four hundred yeah. to six hundred dollars worth of volume. So like, I, if if that goes to zero, that's that's no problem. I'll just do that yeah. enough slates, and when it hits, when I make five like. When I put in 400 and I get back, you know, 53 something or like, that's, that's good profit. And it would be the same amount of profit if I played 150 liners for $2,500. So it's like, I'd still would have only gotten back like 5,400 anyway. I mean, like, so it's like, I'm, I'm more, I'm more inclined to just. Look at a slate and go, who's the chalky SP2 on this slate? And it's like, oh, everyone's playing Kyle Gibson. That doesn't seem like a good idea, right? <laughs> Knowing Kyle Gibson's pass, it's like, who's out? Uh, the, the Rockies outside of Gores? Uh, Yeah, I'm playing five lineups tonight, and uh, two of them will be Rocky stacks. And two of my lineups will have Gibson in it, right? So it's like, if he does well, I have it. And if he doesn't do well, I got that also. Or I could just choose to say, fuck it, I just X him out, right? Oh, everyone's playing the Dodgers tonight. Okay, just X him out. Like, not even yeah. as uh, not even one-offs. So it's like, I just want to minimize the amount of things that I need to get right. So, like, I'm just assuming that you're not going to need a Dodger, right? The Dodger stack yeah. doesn't go off, and none of the Dodgers are— Yeah, maybe two of them do hit a home run. But the 18 points they have, I could probably get from some other guy that's 5% owned— Anyway, right. as long as you're no one has a ceiling, the
1: whole stack goes off or one player has two home runs, which right. I, so I, I, I rarely do that. I rarely completely eliminate a team. I'm more likely to just eliminate them as my primary stack and right. still use them. But you're them playing 150.
0: I can understand being more diversified.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah I right. can understand yeah. the,
0: the managing your risk like that. But if you're playing, if I'm playing five lineups tonight. Right. Like, dude, sense. I just said, uh, dude, I'm playing, I'm playing the lowest on line. I'm dude, I'm playing the diamondbacks. I don't give a shit. Right. Yeah. Right, I'm I'm, t- I'm taking bullet. I, I'm either I'm I'm playing lineups to win first place. I yeah. can't be scared to close the laptop. I think that's like, yep. Right. So, and that's especially in baseball, right. So yep. many people are like, well, like on that slate where I where I told people, it's like I'm just xing out the Phillies, and they're like, well, what happens if the Phillies put up twelve runs? And I go, well, then I lose. Like, 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 like,
1: like, am I yeah. someone's gonna
0: come and behead me? What I mean, what, 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 right. what, is, what is the worst thing that happens?
1: Yeah. Yeah, but what happens if you, if you play
0: the Phillies, But if you play the Phillies and they put up twelve runs, yeah, yeah, then then I have the same amount of points as forty percent of the goddamn line or something. That doesn't right. mean I win anything, right? Yeah. But I know that if the Phillies don't put up a lot of runs, if they only put up two runs, I have I have a bunch of shots of win, uh, winning, and I don't have to choose who I have with the Phillies. All I have to do is not have the Phillies. Like it's one of those things that you you're building lineups based on who you don't have. Right. Right. So like if I, uh, uh, on that slate, I think I built like the 40, 60 lineups, something like that. And I, once I X'd out the Phillies, I'm just like, I don't even care the combinations of, I, I didn't, I wasn't like over owned. I like, I'm just like, no, I just want to have combinations of all these other teams. Yeah. Right. I want I want lineups that don't have Phillies in it. And I don't care if the Rangers do well. I don't care if the Dodgers do well. I don't care. I, I just don't have Phillies. And most of these lineups will have Phillies and, Hopefully, have the kind. Con- I had the combination of the two stacks and whatever, you know, not high enough to get first, but, but, but I have to right. know that yes, they have a 24% shot at being the top stack. Yes, I get it. I get it. Right. They're, they're 24% and the next highest stack is 10%. Yes, I get it.
1: So I was, I was, I think on the other side of you for the Phillies, just because they were underowned in the top stacks. So I think that a mm-hmm. lot, of, most of the series and cores, they were coming in at like. 22% owned, but 25% chance of being the top stack. And so then I was like, all right, I guess I can go slightly over the field on the Phillies. But I, I do it with some uh, unease. Like anytime a lineup is that chalky, I'm a little bit like, are they really? Do they really have a better shot than this? And, and I, I trust the Sims generally because they've been good to me. Uh, in the past, but uh, yeah, I, I always question that. And you're probably you probably because you adjust for well, they're going to come in higher owned than that because they're the Phillies and Coors and people want to play them. So then you end up seeing that they're over owned, and and you just don't want to play a lineup. I well,
0: guess. well, yeah, uh, uh, you, that and also I I have a much more macro look at baseball or macro. I mean, I have a macro look at DFS in general. Yeah. Baseball is so failure driven that like having a batter before forty percent owned like I don't I don't I don't have to look at optimal like dude the success rate of batters how how often will not having him kill me because even even if Bryce Harper at 46 percent owned on a five-game slate gets 18 points that still doesn't kill me I mean like like he could he could hit a two-run home run three-run home run and i still you still may not even need him so it's like why am i playing 40% on batters it's like it just it's right. it, it, macro wise it does it just i just i've just i don't play otani's 38% on i just i just the only way he kills me if he puts up more than a home run really so yeah. like wh- why why am i eating that pitchers i don't mind as much cuz they're a little bit less variance but so that's why my macro. When I when I it doesn't matter what the tool says. It doesn't matter what the simulations say. It's like I ain't playing. I ain't playing teams where they where. If I play this five man stack, it represents seventeen percent of the lineups in the entire contest of that exact five man combo. Like that from a macro perspective, it makes no sense to me. Even if you tell me, yeah. well, that really has a slightly more chance of winning. It is. It's like, dude, I could pl- find plus EV lineups that don't have the Philly. I mean, like, it's one of those things where, uh. It's not wrong to play the Phillies, depending on the types of lineups that you build, right? And you built right. properly leveraged lineups with the Phillies in them. The Phillies were underowned slightly based on their exorbitant percentage shot of being the top stack, but it's not like like well, if I just remove if you xed out the Phillies, can you find plus one hundred fifty plus EV lineups? Your answer would be yes, right? right. But there are also yep. lineups that are plus EV with the Phillies in it. So how many of those do I like? Do you want those? I just chose to eliminate, just like with the MMA contest of like, uh, I didn't want to play Wright, Montana, De La Rosa, and Veneta in the same lineup because they're all going to be 30% owned as dogs. And I'm like, are there lineups with two of them in it that are plus EV? Yes, there are. There just aren't as many of them. So I could choose to play some of them if I wanted to. I chose that I'm only building 150 lineups. I'm just going to eliminate all of them, right? I'll find 150 that don't have two in those you're doing that i'm doing the same thing with the the phillies in that example of like yeah. you are building plus ev phillies lineups i'm just saying i could find 40 lineups 60 lineups that don't have the philly and i'm i'm just taking on the risk more of well yeah. if the phillies are the top stack then i just lose i lose everything but if the phillies aren't i can't, like every lineup i played that day i like i cashed 100% of my lineups
1: yeah yeah, that and that makes sense, especially especially in that scenario where there is a team coming in at over 20% on a you know decent-sized slate. It just it seems intuitive that you know there's you can make so many good lineups without using them. So why why even bother? Uh, but yeah, like like you said, I'm doing 150 lineups, so I got to take on a little bit less risk, and so I, I make some of those lineups. But
0: right, but it's counterintuitive that most most uh, uh, you know casual players are. You know, regular players that just aren't experienced or anything, stupid players, if you want to call them, uh, think counter the opposite. Right. Oh, you have 150 lineups. You can make, you can make all you know, obviously you can make all the combos, which you can, right? Like right. they think in terms of if you have 150 lineups, you could take on a lot more risk, right? They're like, oh, the only reason you had a, a diamondback, that San Francisco stack against Burns is because you're playing 150 lineups and you have three of them. So you could afford to play three out of 150 and I'm only playing three lineups. So I can't take on the risk of having the giants. It's like, no, you're in more position to take on right. the risk. Because you're only 20, playing 50
1: three lines. Risk. You're putting in $45. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It's a the complete window. opposite.
0: I understand why in 150 lines, yeah, you're going to play some chalkier stacks and try to get as diversified so you just you don't bleed money for weeks on end. And next thing you're like, what happened to a quarter of a million dollars? Right. right? Exactly. Until you hit something that, that comes in. I mean, I understand that. You'd rather get some equity back. Like, you'll have a lot of days... Where you lose 30%. Right. But it's better to lose 30% than lose 80%. So, like, yeah. and you're still building plus EV lineups. And it's those one I'm only playing one lineup. So, right. So, like, on this this slate coming up, obviously, if people are listening afterwards, we have, uh, like, Gibson and Berrios as cheap SP2s that may be chalky on DraftKings. And I'm like, you know what I'm doing? I'm, st- I'm, playing, I'm playing five lineups. I'm playing one stack against each of them. Right. Yeah. And there, and and someone with like one lineup will go. Well, what should what should I do? It said, I said, what I would do is I would play either the Rockies or the or the Red Sox against the chalky SP two. Uh, and they go, well, what happens if if it doesn't like? It's one of those things. Like, well, then you just lose. It's like, like, well, can, can I play the Dodge? Why can't they just play? I only have one lineup, so I want to play the Dodgers, Gibson and Scherzer. I said, said, okay, that's if you want. If your goal is to min cash, you that's a very good lineup. But yeah. it's like, you're only playing for, you're playing 15 bucks, right? It's yeah. like, in comparison to your bankroll, what is $15? It's like nothing. So why aren't you playing the highest EV lineup you possibly can? Because your risk is only 15, is is 0.02% of your bankroll or something like, 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 dude, stack against burns in that lineup. Like to do something, you know, play fucked up plus the high leverage high would, that's when you should be if you're telling me you have 15 150 entries xing out burns and stacking the giants in 150 lineups they're all they're all plus ev but like they'll come in once in a blue moon and you have all the combos dude if burns gets gets blown up for 10 runs you're going to come in first second third fourth fifth sixth you're going to you're going to be all over there but, like, you're going to win the entire lobby. You're going to win, like, $500,000 or something. And Yeah, but you know, you're know you going to lose a half a million dollars doing that every day with 150 lineups yeah. playing like that. So people don't, the hard
1: thing, don't get that. The hard thing for people with so few lineups is that generally they're wanting to have fun, too. So they're like, well, if I just play these San Francisco stacks, I'm going to be dead, you know. 30 minutes in, or an hour into the slate. Um, they're going to have zero runs. Burns is going to be going off. So they don't want to take those risks because they're partially in it just for the fun of it. And it's very unlikely to hit. There's, you know, what, a 3%, 4% chance of this giant stack going off. So they're like, well, I don't want to just <laughs> take put in such a, a low risk lineup. So I, I, I understand why the, the hesitation for people who are only playing a few lineups to play those you know, really positive EV stacks that over the long run are going to be good and uh you want to play ultimately, but I can understand why they don't want to because they don't want to, you know, take that big of a they don't want to be dead so so quickly and right. I don't know. Neil I've heard that in MMA. I've had I've had people that play like
0: three lineups or something like that. Right? A small amount of lineup. Not even one line. Some maybe even with one. Uh, I, I had one person. I think it was a couple of weeks ago, that uh, that said that he plays three. He plays three lineups, and in one of those three, he will always play a fighter from the first fight. And I go, why? Like, what? What does the order of the fights matter? Like, all at one time. And you know what the response is? Because if one if if one of the fighters from the first fight is a slate breaker, at least I have one live lineup. Right, it's that when your fighter loses, yeah, yeah, but it's the type of thing where if the first first fight of the night, some uh, the favorite scores one hundred and thirty seven points, and you're playing three lineups, and you you don't have him at all. It's like, like, dude, you're gonna need to, like that is going to be the winning GPP lineup. He's going to be yeah. in it, and you don't have it. Right, so it's one of those things. Three seconds into a slate, you know that you can't win first. It's that 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 fear of it's missing out, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, of like, oh well, now I now my sweat sucks because. I can't enjoy the next 11 fights because I can't possibly win first. So it's more enjoyable to have this, quote, safety of no matter what the first fight is, I'm going to have both sides of the first fight. Like, then what does it make the difference of the second fight, right? The second fight breaks the slate and you don't have that. It's like, well, at least, you know, the response was, well, at least it's not the first fight.
1: <laughs> right. I got 20 minutes extra enjoyment out of it. Right. I mean, That's I, like I, I, like you spend a long time like trying to make your lineups You spend some people might spend two hours trying to craft their three MMA lineups. I kind of get it. Like I, I get. I understand that you want to have some fun with it. You want some entertainment factor. It's just you have to. As long as you do it, understanding that these are negative EV decisions.
0: Right. If you're like, doing it for I, if you're playing for entertainment, fine, do whatever you want. But yeah. you shouldn't be asking me advice. Just play, click six fighters, and it gives you shit, right? We, we have, there are people, you know, you know, there are people, I mean, we see it every MMA card of people that's, st- that stack the first three fights. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the EV of that lineup is pretty much
1: zero. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I don't, I don't know how it's not it's a catastrophic world event where the entire, you know, something ends. There's a, there's a terrorist attack mm-hmm. uh, after the third fight, and now the slate is over and they've won. I think it's the only like, the only plausible way that lineup wins, or like, there's maybe the electricity goes out in the building. They can't continue the card. I don't know. They're, they're, maybe they're playing for those kinds of scenarios. Right. I don't know. But it's a, it's a, ty- but it's a type of thing that if you did that most likely you have a screenshot,
0: right? Like, right, right. Right. You're sitting in first place. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're, 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 sitting in first and sometimes you're sitting in first place. Like some people, you can always tell after the first fight, it's like, okay, 18 people stack the first fight, right? Cause you just look at the top and go yep. one to one to and 19th place is the, the favorite fighter only. And it's like, well, thanks for paying the rake. Right. Yep. Type, type of thing. And then, then out of those 17 lineups, then it's like, Oh, six lineups stacked the first two fights. Yep. Right. And then sometimes sometimes two people stack the first three fights. It's like, dude, you were duped.
1: Yeah. You didn't right? even get to have you didn't get to enjoy your solo screenshot.
0: Right. Your zero z zero EV divided by two. It's well, probably that's what they're thinking. They're like, if my lineup has literally zero EV, dividing it by two just shouldn't matter. It's still zero, right. right? Who cares? Right. Who cares if I'm
1: duped? I wonder yeah. I wonder if these are tout sites. Like they're they're trying to get the screenshot of they're just gonna take a no, screenshot no.
0: of their lineup. It's it's always random it's always random. Whatever I know, I, and I've I've also seen people dupe themselves that way. I've seen I, I, there was one slate where uh, where one person stacked the first fight in three of their lineups, and I'm just like, <laughs> why? What 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 do you what do you do? But I mean, that's to me that's the dead money in in MMA. I mean, people stack the main event too much, so you see that. I mean, I mean, at least, that at least seems somewhat reasonable, right? Even though I don't do it. Typically. Uh, but stacking the first three. I mean like. But it's that type of mentality. And some people have the complete. Like you could go by that mentality in both directions. Right? So let's say you have the person. Because you could think the other way also. So you have the one person. That's like I got to play. And I'm playing three lineups. I'm going to play both fighters. From the first fight. Just in case they put up a big score. At least I could sweat past the first fight. It's like Okay. <laughs> there are some people that think the opposite way and they go, I don't play any of the fights early so I could have hope. Right. Right. Cause it's like, even if let's say the first fight that there's a $9,300 fighter puts up 137 points, you could at least tell a mental story to yourself. Like, well, there's 11 fights left and maybe there's two or three fighters that actually beat 137.
1: They could put up 140. Yeah,
0: Right. They could put up 140. Like it could happen because we don't know yet. Yeah. Right. So they go, well, I don't want to play early fights because I want to – as long as I have six open spots, anything could happen. Even though the yep. past three fights had 120-plus point scores from under from 7,100 underdogs, there's still a shot. There's still a chance, yeah. right? So you could think e- – like, either way is thinking – you're thinking wrong. Right. But it's not like, oh, I understand one but don't understand the other. No, they're both the same – like you're still, it's it's, it's just like, uh, uh, are are they are they hot or are they due, right? You can look at the same data and go, uh, well, this guy hit home runs in the past three games, he's hot, right? And then he's like, well, this guy has struck out four times in the past three games, he's due. It's like, right. like what, like <laughs> that's the complete opposite of one. When is when is one hot and one due, at a given time? You'll never like that's why streaks are. Like Hardy will always say, it's like you can't predict streak because when does it end? You can't right. predict when it ends. You can only see after the fact it was a streak, but you don't know how long that is if they do exist like that. And the same thing for slumps. This guy's in a in a five-game slump. It's like, well, is it going to be a seven-game slump? Is it going to be an eight-game slump? Or is it only going to be a five-game slump? Because you know the point in which it's not a slump? The game where he hits the, right, so when does that happen? Some people think, well, now he can't be on a six-game slump, so it's due tonight. And some people are like, well, it's a five-game slump. This is going to last forever, right? Like, like I will literally never roster this guy until he breaks out of his slump. And then once he hits three home runs in a game, then the next game, oh, now he's out of the slump. No, like, you didn't benefit from it. He just, like, that's why those types of things, you look at the same data and uh... can think the complete opposite things.
1: I had that conversation with, with RBX when he was he was a guest on my show. He was like, yeah. I can't remember what he said exactly, but he said something along the lines of uh, he waits for a player to prove it before he will play them. Like when a player's in a slump, he's going to wait until they break out of it to play them. And I was like, yeah, I kind of do the opposite. I try to like, you know, I, I don't do the opposite, but I, I don't wait for a player because like, I want to capture it when they do break out of it right. too. So I don't know. It's definitely a... Yeah, you, you just gotta you just gotta play by the numbers, I guess. Ultimately, it's you don't know when it's gonna happen, but the numbers can kind of tell you how likely it is that it's gonna happen this game. So, and typically,
0: you get less ownership on them.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's 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 why I think I, I end up sometimes being over on players that are in a slump because I know that the owner because the ownership comes down so much.
0: All that I've learned. All I've I, I have not played playoff NBA, but all I've learned. Uh, from Twitter the past couple of days is just, you just plug in Desmond Bain and you win.
1: Desmond Bain. And uh, who is it for the bucks? Uh, Grayson Allen. Oh yeah. They, yeah I, haven't, the, I haven't played either. Yeah.
0: Right. Cause I just I keep on, I keep on seeing it's like, Oh, Desmond Bain is unsustainable. She's shooting like 70, 80%. And it's like, and now he's even more owned. And then he could just continue. And then he scores 34 points or like, like, and it's like, okay, now he's going to be even more owned. And then he just continues. It doesn't matter. It's like, he's, John Morant's gonna have a snowflake, and Desmond Bain's gonna have fifty-eight fantasy points.
1: Right. Yep, and apparently that's just gonna keep keep going on. Right. He's every, hot. He's hot. All of the sharp players are tilting on Twitter. <laughs> right. Like these players are so over-owned and they're just gonna keep going off. So, yeah. Feel for him. I, I haven't been playing much NBA DFS either. Just at this point, there's not enough games, and I'm more invested in MLB, so hasn't been a big thing for me.
0: Right. And you and, and to, to, to close it out, you've had uh, you, you had. Uh, that Stunna and uh, Gene
1: B Kim on GB. high yep. stakes.
0: Two people we have I, I've not heard on shows before.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was fun having you know new voices to to talk about. And Gene, of course, is a professor, so he uh, his voice is out there to his students, but they don't record. So uh, it was good to hear from both of those guys. It was I enjoyed having those conversations. That stunner, of course, being uh, a longtime friend of Alex Baker, which. I learned this fall and when, when Alex brought it up on a show and everyone was like, wait, what? <laughs> well, I know the name, but I didn't know that you guys were like friends. So,
0: right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting hearing people's approaches and everything. And you know I mean? He, he has very similar questions. And I mean, the problem with the voices in the industry, like getting new voices in the industry, it's like, it's one of the, it's one of those prove it type of things of like, like I'm asking people that like I've seen like do it, Like, like I'm not right. just approaching random people or stuff like that. It's like, like, do you, do you even know how to, you know, do what, do you have a microphone? Do you have like, like, yeah. like stuff like that, where it's like, it's so much easier. It's like, oh, I see these guys on shows. I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask this guy. I'll ask that. And I try to get people like that aren't off. I mean, I, I, I mean, like, I think I was the first one to have like, uh, Peter Viles a uh, hub on, yeah. like, I mean, I, I dude, if you have any suggestions, tweet me at BlenderHD. HD if then tag that person also and say I'd love to see you on whatever
1: show. Oh, guests for guests, yeah.
0: right? Like suggestions Actually, I, for I, guests. I'd never heard
1: from Zaramek before. Uh, a lot of your guests I feel like are people that I had never seen on shows. I, you were the first I, for, first show that I had ever done, other than I guess one one quick interview with Osimo after the Millie. But uh, yeah, it seems like you you do a pretty good job of finding people that aren't doing a ton of shows, right?
0: And then I uh, so once I see them do another show, then it's be like, oh okay, I could ask I ask them, right? I right? like like I feel like if I wanted RBX88 I could I could DM him. If if I wanted to, like some of the guys that you had, but also I'd also want to, don't want to have similar discussions with what you just had. So it's like I don't, I don't want to be the guy that's like, "Oh, he was on that show and now he's on the,
1: doing the rounds." type of thing. It's like, "Well, I would just listen to this. So like. A lot, of, a lot of my early shows, I would have guests that you had had on before because same kind of thing. Like it's, it's easier to, to ask people that, you know, have done shows before, but then I would listen to your show and then be like, can we expound on this conversation that you had with Blender was a big part of my story or, or the Lowell's show. Like a lot of the same people have been on your show and then Lowell's and then uh, yeah, it's, I guess that's, I re-listened to your interviews with those people. And then I'm like, okay, you said this on Blender's podcast. Now, can we expound on that? So. Right. That's uh. I right, I know. I,
0: I, I listen to them, all right. But I'm mean, yeah. but then you would get someone if you're getting like people. I'm like, okay, that that at some point down the line or something like you know, they're they're available for because I've t- I've t- There there are tons of time tons. There's a handful of uh, DFS players that that I I do talk to or at least in chats with or whatever that don't want to do that don't that that I've said come on and they go I don't want to be on a show. Okay, yeah, right. So like this. this so until and it's not like they don't want to be on my show. It's they don't want to be on any, like, it's not like right. I'm asking someone that's like, oh, well you did this interview there and you were on the, like, no, it's just someone that like everyone knows the person or they see them on Twitter. Right. Right. Yeah. I follow plenty of people and I've asked people. It's like, yeah, hey, come on. It's like, I don't want to yeah. do ca- Or, or I don't have a tower or they're like, like one person. Like, I don't, I don't have a webcam. I don't have a mic. Like the a like, person. Right. like, like, yeah. Like I could call you on the phone. It's like I didn't mind it, but it's like I could call you on the phone. It's like phone quality is, but like if if you're not willing to to come, I mean, just and it's not important. that I'm gonna buy a webcam or something like that. So it's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. But if you have any 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 suggestions, you could uh, tweet me at Blender HD or email me Jordan at theoryofdfs.com and Neil's at playerqdfs. And and also I I I saw you're you're in uh. Yeah, you, you you you're you're in the, one of the discords that that I mean you re, you recently you recently yeah.
1: joined to see the. I, I, I assumed that you you put in a good word for me. You said no,
0: um, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I really. didn't know. I just you showed up, oh, and I'm one. like, oh, I, 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 what I, I. I had just
1: talked about the discord like a day before it happened, so I was like, okay, Blender must have. No, must I didn't say any. That. No, that's funny. Okay,
0: right. So once I saw it's like once I saw player Q in there, I'm like, God, oh, Neil got in. Okay, and then and now 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 you see the discord. It's like you ain't you ain't learning
1: anything in there. <laughs> well, other than obviously the cash game lineups. I, I appreciate that they share the group. Oh cash yeah, the game collusion chat.
0: Day. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and of course, we're joking. Like I don't think, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone in that in that discord even plays
1: cash games. Really? I, yeah, I haven't.
0: I don't. I mean, I mean, truthfully, I don't think anyone. Since I don't play
1: cash games, I have no idea if they do.
0: Right No, but I know. I think. I think. Anytime, anyone. I maybe there. There's one or two. I don't want to mention who's in the, who's in the chat. It's. It's a. It's. It's the. It's the secret. It's not the secret chat, but also Alex is in there, even though he doesn't participate. I've, I've he,
1: heard. I've seen mention of Alex. He he he's. A, he's on
0: the member list. He's on the member list, even though I've. I've not. I've not yet him see him ever actually type anything in there. Yeah. But for, for any for anyone that's listening going, oh my God, they have a secret chat. It's like, dude, this is, it, it's, it's basically all sharp players tilted over shit. That's all. That's, yeah, that's basically. pretty much, that's pretty much what the whole, the whole chat, yep. the whole chat is, is essentially, holy shit, 32% on golfer just got an eagle or the donkeys win. You know that, that's literally like, like, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's, that's the whole, it's basically t- t- Jesse's tilt chat. <laughs> yes. <all> the <laughs> <room>. <laughs> he has another disco. He has like 700 discords or something. Yeah. Right. But pretty yes, it, yes. It, it, the fact that you mentioned it's pretty much Jesse saying, "I can't believe I can't believe peak price DeRozan uh, that the Donkeys get there." Type and that's there's no strategy discussion, right? It's just pretty I, yeah. much all that.
1: I was meaning it was like Jesse's. He he created another Discord called the Tilt House, right? Which is which is basically the same kind of thing, right? He he he,
0: he makes the rounds when he tilts. Yeah, yeah. He'll post on Twitter. He'll post in the Discord. Whatever he has to let people know. That everyone that overpaid for that guy at, at too high ownership just got bailed out. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, so yep. Yeah. Player Q, DFS on Twitter for Neil, at Blender HD for me, and The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. You can always pick it up. 15 hour audio DFS masterclass at TheoryOfDFS.com.